0: This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode,
1: we're coming at you with our fall recap. And we're going to do things a little bit differently this time around. We noticed that we were putting a lot of time and energy into these fall recaps. And even though they were getting more popular, they were getting more listens. I think it was just too time intensive for both Yinka and myself, both in terms of editing the episodes and also preparing for the episodes and just how long they were. So what we're going to do now is that we're still going to break down the relevant moments that happened from the past three months. So that would be September, October and November. And then we're only going to discuss a few albums that each of us listened to. And so all the throwback albums and all the other different releases they might be relevant, but for this particular show, we just decided to, hey, we're gonna sit with these particular albums, really digest it, and then give a thorough review for for our listeners. So, um, you know, as always with these recaps, check the timestamps. If there's a particular section that you find uh, more interesting than the others, feel free to skip along. We'll put the timestamps in the description on the SoundCloud and then in iTunes, so you can know exactly what you're getting for the
0: episode. And I think in addition, right, We've stepped it up on our tributes. We, we've we had, you know, more tributes. And I think in when we do do our tributes and our make it a classics, we're able to kind of get more into the fine detail of the album as opposed to just kind of, you know, paying it lip service. So if y'all, you know, do have some albums that you haven't heard us talk about that you would like us to break down, either like make it a classic treatment or, you know, you see, you see a tribute uh, anniversary coming up. Let us know, and we'll consider trying to put those into the lineup.
1: Right, right. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get into it. The very first thing we're going to talk about is the Rhythm and Flow series that was released on Netflix. Yes, sir. October 9th. And so, yeah, uh, you got a chance to listen to this or or to to watch this, correct?
0: Yeah, I did. Um, All right. And this is one of those, you know, thank you outlaw moments for me. (laughs) Um, You know, I was very, very pleasantly surprised by this uh, this series. Yeah. Um, you know, and and y'all know, the people who are listening, you know, I think Outlaw and I could both come off as a little anti when it comes to a lot of these <laughs> types of things, you know, the, the voices right. and the American idols and, you know, et cetera. So <clears throat> when they say they're going to do rap versions of these, typically they're even more diluted than, you know, the, the ones that they do for singing, right? Because singing, mm-hmm. I think, is a much... Much more objective, uh, you know, measures in terms of what makes a good singer, right? Um, right. What makes a good rapper is is something that um, has a lot of nuance to it. And I think this is true. This television show did a very good job um, overall of kind of highlighting some of those nuances and respecting mm-hmm. them for what they are. Yeah, so, no, I, I agree. mean... So before I get into my particular analysis deep dive, uh, you know, you want to talk a little bit about like why you chose for us to, you know, cover this and like what what made you interested in checking it out. So I first heard about this
1: from my friend. She lives in Germany. Okay. And it's, it's, she's so funny. So she's Zimbo. I think she's uh, Shona, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's Shona. Okay. And she doesn't have that much experience with black Americans, uh-huh. particularly, uh, what she knows about the black American experience, she gets from media. Mm-hmm. And she's very, very aware of how, I guess, oblivious she can be about things. But, <laughs> you know, she's very curious and, and she's very intelligent. Right. But sometimes she just doesn't understand things. So she'll always reach out to me as like the the black American perspective to get my <laughs> thoughts on on certain things and whenever it comes to like a black artist or Mm -hmm. whatever she always wants to reach out to see if I've heard this person right and so this show comes up and she she sends me one initial message She's like hey have you watched this uh who is Cardi B like I've never heard this person's I think she knew who Cardi B was but like she'd never heard any of her songs and she wanted to know like okay uh is it is it wrong that i have not heard any of this person's music and i said if yeah. you live in the united states and you've not heard any of her songs yeah i'd say that's a problem yeah you live I said you have to like the person right <laughs> but if you live abroad i could see why you wouldn't know much of her catalog i get it so then she sends yeah. me a message like a week later and i think she's having she's seen the whole thing she's like oh my god outlaw you have to watch the show how, how come you have not been watching it i need right. your, your opinion right. um um Chance the Rapper, I've never even heard of this guy. I really like him. I listened to his catalog. I don't like any of his songs, but he's a really cool guy. It's hilarious. So Yo, that that's, was my that's first-
0: so funny. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that was my first experience hearing about Rhythm & Flow. Right. Then um, uh, a friend of mine, she wanted to know my take on it. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, hey, look, watch the first episode. Let me know what you think. We'll skip the rest of these auditions and then when the when the show starts like i want to get your opinion on who do you think is going to win the whole thing okay and just i just want to hear your take on it so we're right. watching the whole thing so that was my that was my viewing experience and then other people came up to me they're like yo outlaw you're going to review it for the show right i was like yeah yeah we'll, we'll have to do that Word. so that was what got me into this rhythm and flow and yeah. i agree with you typically this is not something that i would watch i yeah. consider this reality contestant reality tv which is not my thing yeah but um i think it was a very well done show i appreciated watching it i think the person who my my friend who made me sit down and actually watch it i thanked her for making me do it Mm -hmm. because i I enjoyed it and i thought they did a very good job and i was very surprised and very impressed so yeah
0: so quick question who did Mm -hmm. you think was going to win the competition
1: Oh, I knew right away that D Smoke was going to go very far as uh, spoilers for people right. who haven't seen it. Yeah, this is definitely a um, g-
0: spoiler alert. Um, because right. I think we're going to deep dive it a little bit. Um, so for me, right. Um, I went into this with negative expectations, um, yeah. which is sometimes good when something is good or mediocre, because then mm-hmm. you're pleasantly surprised. Right. Um, But, you know, one of the things that I really liked about the show, and I mean, you're the, you know, the cinematography, you know, (laughs) movie, television expert. So, you know, you can probably put this in better terms than I I can. But um, the way they created this story arc was very, very astute. And and I say that because I I approached this with skepticism, Um, you know. And first and foremost, right, we talk a lot about hip hop and gatekeepers and, you know, what people are, you know, who is an expert and et cetera. Um, I think they did a great job in choosing the three judges. I agree. But when it started, I said, Cardi B has never written a bar in her whole life. Why is she telling people who who who's good about rapping or who's bad about rapping? I get yeah. why you would choose her from the perspective of trying to get a lot of people to watch the show, but why would she be a judge? You know, and right. and you know we can go all the way down with with Chance. I, I think T.I. for sure is is a oh, would yeah. be a, a, a great choice because he's kind of the person that you would want in terms of he sits in the middle. Like he's, he's had a very storied career. He's had a lot of success. He's done the kind of underground mixtape circuit, et et cetera. So I get him the other two. I'm like, eh, right. So then, so then I go into the, the auditions, right. Like the idea of them doing auditions in their specific cities. I I really like that. Mm -hmm. I thought from the beginning, I thought that was a great idea. Um, But you know, the, the idea of like, Oh hey, uh, I'm at the barbershop. There's these two guys. I'm just gonna bring them. Okay, yeah. You can, like it was. It was really fake to me, right? Yeah, that was very fake. Yeah. Um, and and that so that was, was not organic at all, right? It's like uh, you just found these random two people. They were standing outside, right, like right, day right. laborers. Like hey, uh, I can rap, you know? Nah. Right. And then additionally. The feedback, specifically from Cardi, and I don't mean to pick on Cardi, y'all. I like Cardi. I think she did a great job on this show. I'll preface everything that I'm saying with, she made perfect sense for how this show ended up. Cardi B did a really good job. Right. At the beginning I'm like, okay, that's your feedback? Like your feedback is just a sound effect for everybody. Um and, and in the early episodes, you know, in the in the auditions, a lot of it was like Cardi was giving feedback that was like not actionable feedback. It was it was right. all like, you know, um, I don't think that people are going to click on you or, you know, I don't want to have sex with you. So I don't know. You know, like like it was like <laughs> it was that was like, uh, is this is this serious? But like, yeah, as the show developed, you know, they did a good job of of saying there are multiple elements to what makes an artist a successful artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they did a good job of kind of highlighting what those different things were. Some some of the ways was through the challenges, uh, some of the ways was through how they paired people, um, mm-hmm. et cetera, You know, their background stories. Um, those things are, are what creates a superstar. And so yeah. they should have prefaced it with. We're trying to find the next hip-hop superstar. We're not right. looking for the best rapper. We're not looking for the cutest person. We're not looking for the person who has the best style. We're looking for the total package of somebody mm-hmm. who is going to be successful. Yeah. Now, if they did that, I don't necessarily know that D Smoke is the guy. I agree. And 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 it's crazy because you know uh, D Smoke to me, was far and away the best talent on the show. On the, oh, it's on, not even on the close, show, right? not even um, close. And I mean, when, you, when it comes to like kind of total package, um, he, he, he definitely has it, right? Right. But uh, a factor that they used Cardi specifically to talk about a lot in the show was uniqueness. Yeah, And, they, and they, they did a good job for a lot of the characters of saying, you know, yo, you reminded me of Drake here. You reminded yeah. me of this person here. It was very interesting how D Smoke, someone who is related to a very popular artist who was signed to Kendrick Lamar's label, mm-hmm. never got a Kendrick comparison until the very last challenge, if you remember, or, you know, at the very end, he wins the show. Right? Yeah. And then they go, they pan to each judge, and each judge is gushing about him. Why he's so amazing. Right. right? And I mean yeah, he is amazing. He's really talented. He's amazing. His performance was amazing. Like I have literally, he's unassailable when it comes to this, right? Yeah. So so they get to Cardi and Cardi's gushing about him. She's talking about how handsome he is. She's talking about how well he put everything together, how he he excelled in all the challenges. And she says, you know. You are already a superstar. I mean, I see. And then she goes, Kendrick. And she stops. Mm -hmm. And then the camera pans out a little bit. You see T.I.'s face and you see Chance's face. And they both kind of look at each other a little bit. And then she she doesn't finish her thought. And then she's like, yeah, you know, you're a superstar. You're going to go really far. And I was like, yo, you know what I'm saying? That's a little strange. And then, then I unpacked it, right? I rolled it all the way back. So DJ Head was the DJ of All the Challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met Head on multiple occasions. Shout out to DJ Head. He and uh, Chuck Dizzle had uh, something called Homegrown Radio, which I've talked about on this show before, uh, where they basically had a radio station out of their house in Compton, and they are responsible for putting on many of the people that you hear from the West Coast right now. Um, okay, Nipsey came through there. Kendrick came through there. I came through there. Any Means came through there. Like, I mean every rapper that you know of from LA at some point rocked with homegrown radio to the point where now DJ head and Chuck Dizzle have gotten a much bigger platform. They're now on um, the beat. I think uh, one of the big either power or the beat, one of the big radio stations in in LA. Now uh, their show is one of the most popular DJ head is, is all over the place. He's basically like the Charlemagne of the West coast. now, like, I mean, you know, like in terms of the, the, the looks that they're giving him. Right. so, so, you know, um, Kendrick and TDE all came through the homegrown radio stage. DJ Head is on their initial mixtapes before anybody knew who they were. So, you know, you break down the fact that DJ Head is, is obviously very familiar with Sir, who is, you know, uh, D Smoke's brother, who is signed right. to Kendrick, who, I mean, he's got a show tomorrow in Chicago. It's sold out. I mean, he's, he has his own fan base. He's a very popular artist right now. Um, you know, Kendrick Lamar, obviously a very popular artist right now. They, they know his links to TDE, but they don't say anything about them. So mm-hmm. then you go and you look at the last challenge. And the last challenge, they're each paired with a producer that's in the industry. Yeah right? Yeah. Um, and they tried to make it seem kind of random, even though, you know, London, London B, like, that's cute. And, you know, they have the same right. name. London, you know, it, it just produced Summer Walker's uh, big project, you know, so right. he's, he's worked with a woman lately who's had a, a lot of success. It makes sense. Now, they paired um, D Smoke with Soundwave. Right. The other producers had, have a pretty high profile right now. Soundwave mm-hmm. is famous for working with Kendrick Lamar, yeah. and TDE. He right. got on doing early Kendrick Lamar records. So they pair they paired D Smoke with with Soundwave who's somebody who he, I'm sorry, he obviously already knows this person cuz they run in the same circles yeah. and he produces yeah. for his brother. So how would he not know him? So so they introduce them as, "Oh, wow, he he's getting paired with this guy Soundwave. He's famous for working with Kendrick." But they don't say that he worked with Kendrick. Yeah. They put like other people. So then so then they go to the the part where they're breaking down each person's family life um, and, and how it relates to the final challenge where they everybody gets to fly their family in to see them compete. D Smoke's family, um, you know, they break down. He's from Inglewood. You know, they talk about how there's a mix between black and brown people and how he's a teacher and et cetera. And then they go to, what are your musical inspirations? And he says, well, you know, My dad was in jail. My mom sang in a choir. They show a scene of him sitting next to his mom playing the piano while they're singing together. Mm -hmm. Amazing. They don't mention the fact that his brother is a fucking signed artist to TDE right now (laughs) with the biggest album in R&B right now. They don't mention that at all. And then, you know, and then, you know, they 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 don't mention it. And then they don't really show sir until like the very end when he wins and he's hugging his whole family. And you're like, yo, his brother looks familiar. Oh shit. He's this huge artist that's signed to Kendrick. And then the Kendrick moment happens at the end where Cardi accidentally says Kendrick's name. And they're all just like, uh, I would be a (laughs) lot more upset about this if D spoke wasn't far and away the best talent on the show. Yeah. But I still felt the way about it. Uh, so anyway, clearly. so anyway, I'm sorry. That that's my biggest feeling is that like I thought that the way they put the whole show together was great. Mm-hmm. Um I there were certain situations where I felt that people did not were not qualified to be th- uh, yeah, where no they shit. were. Um mm-hmm. and and you know, I think the the person the person who I will say was least viable and made it the furthest was actually Caleb Colossus oh yeah so, we all know that right and and so i i was wondering how challenge after challenge he was he was continuing he to push got forward. paired up
1: he got easy challenges and this is what i yeah. would say that i think the one thing that they really messed up okay was how they did certain challenges particularly when they did the battle yes right? oh that, um, that, that Saxon was paired was up with Someone I forget who, and they switched and put Old Man Saxon against D Smoke. D Smoke, and I'm like, again. why did you do this? Yeah, you had the you had the biggest talent in D Smoke right. and the most unique voice right. in Old Man Saxon. Right? Why would you pair these up? You clearly every single time yeah. you do any kind of battle format, put your weakest against your strongest, and let the weakest person try to do something. Right. Like they had weak people paired against each other. Yeah, you know and they had strong yeah. people paired against each other. Why would you do that? It was
0: really I, I think just did everybody a disservice yeah i agree with you like even like like why wouldn't you pair him with you know the dude with the red teeth who was od and like like pair him yeah. with somebody else who like their energy would match or it would right. be a good battle um i also right. felt the same way about the way they paired um flawless with, with the with the with beans yeah. uh, because beans it was nice like, beans was nasty and it was yeah, like she you got pa- bars you paired her with one of the only niggas who would eat yes Yes. They they should have paired her with somebody that like we could see her mm-hmm. talent and then you know she could move forward. And yes. um I thought it was funny and interesting that she was like, I don't do battles because she sounded like, like she Yo, did battles. A, She's, definitely a battle rapper. She sounded pretty damn who good. Who doesn't do battles.
2: But and yeah,
1: I, I felt bad for Beans. I felt more yeah. bad for Old Man Saxon because I think yes. Old Man Saxon deserved to make it to at least like the last five. Right. I agree with flawless real talk, London D Smoke. Mm-hmm. I think that old man Saxon probably could have made it further than Troy, man. Mm, um, wow. Because Troy Man was another one I thought continued to like he continued to surprise me because I didn't think he was all that talented. Yes. Yet he did well in his challenges. So I was like, well, I have to, I had to give it to him. But I think yeah. old man saxon could have made it further than he
0: did. I feel you. I think Troy Man was the biggest surprise for me. I think he showed yeah. the most growth throughout the, the show. When I saw mm-hmm. him in the barbershop I was like, this dude's not that good. Um, right, exactly. And 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 each time he pleasantly surprised me, he reminded yes. me of a B.O.B. Uh, I don't know if you remember yeah. Be There rapper, but like, mm-hmm. you know, he just had a, a lot of personality, and I really think, honestly, out of all of the 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 artists, if you just take their music, like like put them in a studio, I don't get to see what they look like. I don't. I'm not looking at any music videos, nothing. I think his music would actually go the furthest out of all of them. Really? Okay. Uh, so I think I think honestly, I got I got why Troy man was there. Um, yeah. I personally felt like London B. From a from a talent perspective, was deficient in comparison to her to the folks that she she made it on the level with, and I thought yeah. that you know initially she's clearly the biggest star though definitely definitely and and yeah. that's the reason why like what I was saying where like there were certain things that I had question marks about. And I feel like the show did a good job of putting it all together to where it made sense in the end. Like, yeah. you know, she definitely has like the, the super relatable story, the, the energy, the passion, the look, all of the things that make somebody a star. To, mm-hmm. and, and, and to be honest, music doesn't really matter <laughs> right no. now, you know, when it comes to being a superstar. So her intangibles are so, you know, 11 out of 10 yeah. that like it makes, it makes sense why, you know, she would be there. But Mm -hmm. um, but flawless. I I thought this is another thing I thought was funny. So before I watched the show, um, Asan. I don't know if you know him. He uh, he went to UVA with us. Um, He hit me and he was like, "Yo, you need to go on this rhythm and flow show." (laughs) And um, you know, I was like, uh, you know, a technology consultant in his 30s. You know, on a show trying to become the next famous rapper. Like, I don't see it. And he's like, yo, watch the show. Like there's people in their 30s competing and they're like the best people on there. And I thought it was interesting because um, I thought Flawless was like a good representation of like the me's of the world in that like, you know, the people that like, you know, he probably was much hungrier 10 years ago. You know, I mean, he's Mm -hmm. like 30 something years old. Um, you know, he's just his, the difference is like he stayed the course and was like, I'm gonna be a rapper, I'm gonna do this. He didn't try to do anything else, or but he, um, you could tell with his professionalism and with D. Smoke's professionalism that. 10 years ago they would have been much more raw versions of themselves Mm -hmm. but with those additional 10 years they've learned how to record in a studio they've learned about stage presence they've learned about a lot of things that made them much more composed than a lot of the younger contestants and i kind of liked that they they illustrated
1: that on the show flawless real talk aside from old man saxon flawless Mm -hmm. real talk is the one i feel the worst for because when I saw him initially, mm-hmm. I knew I was like, okay, he's... Uh, I actually didn't watch this audition for the first time. So when I actually saw oh, him, okay. I think it was in the Cypher. That was the first yeah. time I saw him. Um, oh, you should have seen his like, audition.
0: Okay.
1: No, no. I, I went back to go see the audition. Okay, okay. But what, Initially, I had only seen the, the Cypher first. I, went, I had to go back to see the audition. Mm-hmm. But when I, when I saw him in the Cypher... I thought, okay, he's going to go far because he's got, like, all the fundamentals down. Mm-hmm. But I don't really like this guy. And every single challenge, he, like, blew me away. Interesting. Um, particularly, like, his feature with Jene Aiko. Yeah. I mean, he murdered that shit. Yeah, he did. And I was like, this guy has a star written all over him uh, who it's too late for him. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think that he, as talented as he is, as good as he is, as yeah. deserving as I think he is. Yeah. I'm not sure if all of the things that made him great uh-huh. are unique enough. Like he seems yeah. almost like too cookie cutter. Yeah. And it, and it and I feel bad because mm-hmm. I want him to do I want those three to yeah. do well, particularly D Smoke yeah. and Flawless Real Talk. I think yeah. London will do well, so uh-huh. whatever. I, I think she'll be fine. But yeah. Uh, and old man Saxon, obviously, I think he got a raw deal, but yeah. Flawless, man, I don't see there being a market for him right now, despite the fact that yeah. I think he's really good and should yeah. have been like, like 15, 10, 15 years ago, man, I think he would have, he would have killed
0: him. And it. that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like it's funny for me saying this, but I feel like I almost saw myself in, in, in Flawless, <laughs> just in that, like, you know, like you could tell he was really at home in that battle. Like mm-hmm. yo, oh my God, when he yeah. ate her alive, you know, yeah. and I was just like, yo, like that's like disaster. yeah." like I feel like, you know, certain <laughs> challenges, you you saw him like really just trying to like be a grown man and approach them in, in a, a, you know, a, a, a well-rounded way. But you could tell 10 years ago, this nigga just was eating people alive like that. Yeah. Like you could tell he comes from that cloth. And right. I think I really liked that about his character. I, you know, when I saw him, his audition, I was like. He was head and shoulders above everybody else, similar to D-Smoke, right? And a lot of these challenges, D-Smoke was just so composed and so professional that it was just like, it was like watching, you know, LeBron in high school, right? Like, it's just like... So that's the reason why I knew that D-Smoke, right right when I saw him, I knew he was going to do well
1: because mm. D-Smoke, out of all the contestants, and this is not to knock or criticize any of them, mm-hmm. but D-Smoke clearly has the best handle on who he is as a human being on yeah. this earth. He yeah. just knows who he is. Yep. And you could tell, like, whoever the woman who was like, oh, I'm a queen, queen, and there was a oh queen of other people. Oh, my God. Oh, she was... There was the, a lot she of... Was- an annoying on, but, as hell to me but, but here's on. the thing there was a lot of them that yeah. not just her like yeah. uh, there was a lot of folks who it was just a lot of bravado yeah and anytime you talk about oh like i'm confident on the stage like you stop it yeah. if you're actually confident you don't have to say you're confident exactly. and you can tell right from the get-go that d smokers was like look I know who I am. Yeah. I'm going to make it regardless. Right. Um, even if it's not with music, I'm gonna make it like I just I know who I am. And you could just tell it's like that he took that energy, that centered, calm, composed energy, and it drove him all the way through. And of course, when you pair that with his talent, it's you're gonna get great things. Uh But that's the reason why I knew just right away. I was like, Yeah, this guy's gonna go far. Um, Uh Were you able to predict the final four? Mm, Um I knew. Yeah, that, I knew that flawless London
0: and D Smoke were going to make it. Yeah, uh, Troy Mann is the one who surprised me that huh. he got that far. I think everybody, everybody but Caleb Colossus, made sense to me. Like I was like, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Caleb Colossus really got lucky. He knew he got lucky too. Like you can't get lucky like three, four times. After that, it's just like, okay, is this luck anymore? So, do you think it was luck or not? I won't go into specific conspiracy theories about everybody because I've already broken down my D smoke one. Um, and, and I, I, am saying that about the, the person that I think is the most talented on the show and deserve to win. Um, but you know, a lot of things kind of question marked to me, um, you know, as Mm -hmm. somebody who, and you know, this isn't, this isn't just me projecting myself, but like, I wondered how much of the songs that they wrote, did they actually write? Because let's be let's be honest about the industry, right? Like they're going into mm-hmm. they're going into a studio for a day, and then they're coming out and they're like, "Here's this hit record that I came up with." Now, many times in life, um, you know, Cardi B is a great example. Cardi B is not going to go into a studio and come out with it with a hit record. There's going to be writers in there. And, mm-hmm. you know, the writers are going to come with some ideas. She's going to choose ideas that she likes. And it's, it's a package deal. That's how the industry works in terms of creating songs now. So right. the fact that they all went away to a studio and came back and had these three-part intricate songs with choreography, with pyrotechnics <laughs> in the background to, to you know, match it, that was a little bit of a question mark for me. Like, I, you know, yeah. I, in, in terms of it being realistic. And so, again, like I said, I think that the show is very well put together. But I mm-hmm. do have some question marks about how much of it was, you know, authentic and how much of it was was Hollywood. OK, All right. well, real yeah. quick, uh, we kind of touched on it at the top of
1: the this discussion, but mm-hmm. you, you think that they did a good job with the judges? A
0: great job with the judges. I, yeah. I, I honestly don't know if I could have picked three better people to be the judges. What were your thoughts? i do not like chance the rapper
1: as an artist i don't I like know. his voice yeah. but he was really really good I, I thought he was amazing too i thought he was really good yeah. and it just made me he's like john legend to me now i don't uh, like john legend's music uh, but i like john legend as a person right and so it's like i can i root for john legend as a person i can mm. root for chance as a person yeah. despite the fact i don't give a shit about his music i, mm. I don't think he's very good yeah. i don't see what people do but personality-wise you know no critique i, I it, thought he was great
0: on the show it's funny because a lot of my atheist agnostic homies hate chance right like it's it's, it's a thing right we we if, okay. if, if i if i'm not christian fuck that guy like the, and and it's and it's it's an interesting perspective uh but you know so prior to me watching this show one of my friends was kind of joking about he was like yo every time niggas start talking about god this nigga chance was like that's amazing anything that wasn't about <laughs> god he said it was whack but like I feel like Chance is another person who really knows who he is. You know, you talked yeah. about that with D Smoke. And I feel like that really came through with him as a judge. And he came off as very sincere. And I think more so than the other two judges. Like, you know, there was even a period of time, he said something that I kind of didn't like. And then I thought about it again. And I was like, wow. Which was, he was like, yo, I thought it was going to be hard to send people home. But I mean, yo, I'm cutting niggas. They're, they're going. Yeah. And, and, and it was like, as I watched the show he was the most sincere of the judges and like if he mm-hmm. really liked something he really talked over about over T.I.? yes I-, I thought they were all sincere they, to be honest they were sincere but like I feel like a lot of times you know T.I. would be like <laughs> expeditiously okay um <coughs> caught it so uh <laughs> What's the Where did you learn you know? And where, then Cardi like Cardi Her whole like persona is I love everybody Everybody loves me So like love She would be like oh, 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 I'm, oh, I'm oh, so oh, sad oh, oh. I don't want to Eliminate people Chance would be like Alright look This was good about you But this was not good So you have to go Like he was super yeah. direct And very sincere In a way that I thought Really lent itself to the show Okay all right, well, we're going to move on because we've been talking about this for like half an hour. <laughs> Great show, though. So we definitely got to put this in the uh, in the info and let everybody know that we talked about this show because I I feel like anybody who's a fan of you know hip-hop, a fan of shows, et cetera, should give this show a chance. I would not yeah. have given this show a chance if it weren't for Outlaw. So shout out to Outlaw and Outlaw's friend for uh, putting us onto this show. Yeah,
1: for sure. So the next show we're going to talk about is another Wu-Tang show. This is Wu-Tang and American <laughs> Saga. A very, very heavily dramatized show about yes. the roots of the Wu-Tang Clan. Yes. It debuted on Hulu September 4th.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's correct. And I just wrapped up watching this show maybe this past week. So well, what yeah. were your thoughts? At the end of the day, I enjoyed it. It took a while for me to get into it Mm. and at times i was like it felt like work i did not like the first couple episodes i didn't really start getting into it until around episode four Mm -hmm. um and that by that point i was like okay i I see what they're doing here this Mm -hmm. is really really heavily fictionalized heavily dramatized they took a lot of artistic license Mm -hmm. um and i think that that was what Drew me out of the show right. uh, initially. Right. You know, seeing Raekwon shoot up Ghostface Killer's yeah, crib—I've yeah. yet to see that verified anywhere online. I, I seriously doubt that ever happened. I think um, that.
0: I think that particular sequence turned a lot of Wu Tang fans off too. Because I know other people, right. not just yourself, who saw that scene and was like, "Yo, fuck this show."
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just
0: stop watching. There was,
1: there was a lot of inaccuracies. I mean, You yeah. guys not even in there. You've got Methaman in there working at the this, this Statue of Liberty. But at that's least. true. Yeah, at the start of the show, but he was yeah. also working there with You God.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. we just haven't and been introduced to You God yet, right? Maybe, maybe. Um, but I tell you, some of the
1: things that they did really well is mm-hmm. the casting. Yes. And I think Felt even stronger about the casting as the show went on. So right off the top, obviously, the two that were the best casted, I, just just from looking at them, were obviously Mitchell Divine Diggs and Old Dirty Bastard. <laughs> divine, and I clearly. thought it was Divine at certain. Yo, points. like <laughs> before I even watched the show, I was like, holy shit, that guy looks just right, like Divine. Right, right, right. So and the way he talked, his whole persona, I'm like, this is clearly. Mitchell Divine Diggs like right. it's not they did a really great job with that um, and yeah. obviously the guy they casted as Aeson Unique mm. I thought did a good job you yeah. know in his portrayal as well Yeah. the guys who I think like the sleepers mm. who I think did really really well mm. were Shamik Moore definitely. as Shalah Raekwon definitely and um and dave east is Meth the man as the so? show went on yo initially i was like this guy's not Meth the man at all yeah, at all felt. but that's as the felt. show went on i was like yo he definitely has met man's persona mm. not necessarily his voice but like some of the things that he says mm. like his mannerisms and yeah. his overall energy i was like yo he definitely did his homework and it was mm. a subtle job too like playing old dirty bastard i feel like is not all that challenging if you get the, the certain things right, right? Because he's so outlandish mm-hmm. that you just kind of have to do certain things, and everyone's like, Oh, like that's old dirty bastard. So, yeah, I think he didn't have all that much of a challenge there But I think mm-hmm. Method Man is actually quite challenging. And so, for him, I think I think
0: Dave East pulled that off, but Shamik Moore at shala Raekwon yeah. really, really pulled that off. Can I add one? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jizza, um, I thought I you thought, thought so. I thought the dude that played jizza like he he kind of looked like him and um you know they always have kind of portrayed jizza as almost like a compass of the clan right like like a dude who just he's just really solid solidly himself and um you know just kind of always the same and i felt like the guy who played jizza like I, i felt like he was like a moral north for the for the for the group the problem that i have with the gary grice
1: character is one he He's too like um, he's too clean, almost like Jizza. Just as a clean guy, mm. but not like um, like I wouldn't think to put like Jizza like on a magazine. Like I could see this
0: guy like on a mm. magazine. You know what but, I mean? But Doug, Shamik Moore is on magazines, and, yeah, and he played but, Raekwon, yo, they, who's the ugliest they, member they, of the clan.
1: Look, <laughs> they 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 put like a little pouch on his stomach so that he mm. ha- had some weight. Right. They put the gold grill in his mouth, yeah. and like he's just like his general, just like. Angry demeanor. I think they
0: really, really oh, carried no, that they, off no, well. He, he's nailing it. I'm just using him yeah. as a, and, you know. And just I don't think that
1: Shemek Moore is a particularly talented actor, but he, I thought he really got Raekwon down. I think Shameek Moore is a good than, actor, and I, but
0: I think he nailed it.
1: I more so than. The Dennis Cole's character, who mm-hmm. is obviously, I think, is going to be the most difficult one to really get down. Yeah. I think they got his energy, his emotion down, uh-huh. but Ghostface Killer has like such a unique voice mm-hmm. that, like, not getting that mm-hmm. and not getting like his delivery right, yeah, like kind of yeah. like the shrillness and like the high pitchness, yeah, um, the sharpness, if you
0: will. Like, they mm-hmm. don't get that. Uh, I- but ultimately, I-, I think they did okay. I agree. I think the, the the Dennis Cole situation is interesting because I feel like they really wanted to humanize his character in a way Which that I, did. I've never heard him humanized. Um, I feel like, you know, we only really see one scene of him as like a stick-up kid, but that's yeah. pretty much all people talk about is basically yeah. him being a, a cat that just robs the robbers. Like he's out here like, yeah. you know, to the point where he had to become Ghostface Killer because... He couldn't be seen in places because people were yeah, looking this for is him. that's true. So um, this is you true. know, I think I think you know I can't say he's d- done a bad or a good job a, a, as as ghost at least at this point. But I do agree that it's tough not having that voice because that's yeah. just very distinctive. And the one that they just got wrong, um, and this is obvious. It-
1: Towards the end of the show, you can see it's like, oh, okay, he, he kind of has his eyes, but he doesn't have his complexion. Maybe he has his, like, lack of confidence initially, but, like, he doesn't have the voice. The motherfucker can't rap. The guy they pick for the RZA, the guy they yeah. picked for Bobby, just... And, and I loved him in Moonlight. I love
0: Moonlight. That's an amazing movie. Yeah. But he was the wrong choice Agreed. for this I, I feel the same way I love him like he's a great actor and I, I really yeah. just I just enjoy hit he's like like you said about Chance as a rapper like I like I love yeah. him and I want him to be successful but I just couldn't really see it other than nah, being yeah. tall and skinny and, and dark skinned I guess like he was not RZA and and at very least your R's gotta be W's if you're the RZA like it's just yeah. it's just it's just a basic RZA principle but um, it's so interesting that you know, that's how RZA sees himself because RZA is mm-hmm. very active in this, in in, in the yeah. making of this show, and and he chose that person to play him. I get why sure. Method Man would choose Dave East to play himself, right? Like did Method
1: Man choose Dave East? I don't think he did. I think they casted that.
0: They were very um, hands on both. Uh, RZA okay. and Method Man are uh, uh, producers on the show, and they were both very hands on with the show. So I assume that they would have been involved in the casting as well.
1: Like I said, Davie's initially I did not think it was a good choice in the first few episodes. I didn't, but I didn't. when we when we see him in Park Hill, mm-hmm. uh, I really started to see Davie's as Method Man. So yeah. I think
0: that was a good choice. I think though, you know, I mean, it's like. Yo, Yinka, who did you want to play you? Um, I'm gonna get Idris Elba to play me. Like, it makes sense, <laughs> right? Like, you're, you're gonna get like the handsomest, you know, rapper in the game right now to play you if you're Method Man. So like like I was saying, I understand that casting from that perspective. Um, and, you know, Davies definitely does have like that, you know, kind of swagger about him naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't necessarily feel as though personally he transformed into Method Man, but I've heard other people say that they feel that way. So yeah. maybe I just I just missed it and I agree to disagree. But um, I think that, you know, Aston Stan- Sanders as as RZA, he's still never become yeah. the RZA to me. No, nah, he, yeah, he didn't at all. Oh, but, the guy who is instantly
1: correct. And we don't see him until very late in the show. But Joey Badass as Inspector Deck. De- De- Yo, when I first saw that, I was like, nah. Like, just seeing, yeah. like, the stills, I'm yeah. like, nah. But then actually seeing him in the role and, like, the way he talked and the way he dressed and, like, yeah, yeah I'ma sell it, but later. And then, like, the raps, too. Mm-hmm. I'll leave the mics and body bags. My rap yeah. style has the course to leave you lost like the Javis shabbat. Like, he he killed that shit as Inspector Deck. So yeah, I yeah. think that Joey Badass was also a very good choice. For sure.
0: As well. So, so, so a couple other things that I... Um, so I watched, I watched like a ten-minute short about this film where they basically were talking about whether or not it's actually accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know what the the they inter they actually interviewed the guy who's like the main producer on it, Alex Tay. Right, what's his name? Did you see the, his this interview? Well, I saw
1: I saw a YouTube clip. It was about a ten-minute clip. I'm not sure if it was the one that you did, but basically it was like. They, The spirit of it was the same, but they yeah. took artistic license. And
0: then he started to like break it down into all these analogies. Like He's like, if the bones of the animal are the same bones, but then you metamorphosize the flesh around it, that's how you create a great story. And I was like, okay, so what you're saying is most of this is bullshit.
1: Yeah, um, most of
0: it is bullshit. But, uh, but the, the things that they did kind of get right, that they talked about in there, which I thought was really interesting was... Rizza and the production crew went back to the house that he grew up in. Yeah. That was and really cool. spoke to yeah, and spoke to the people and got to film the outside of it and recreate the house over again mm-hmm. on a Hollywood really, really set cool. for them to, to film it there. So I thought that was really interesting. And then I didn't know that um Ghostface had two kids with Rizza's sister. Sister. Yeah. I with didn't one know one of that. his sisters. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't I, know that either. So I think I,
1: we, I think you and I saw the same clip.
0: Yeah, okay. So I didn't yeah. I didn't know that and so I thought that was uh, also interesting that he, you know, kind of they show that on the uh, on the show as well. Yeah. I
1: you know, there's plenty of things that we can talk about with the show. Generally speaking, I did enjoy it. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was amazing. And despite the fact that because I'm a Wu-Tang fan, it actually mm-hmm. took me a little bit longer to get into it. Right. I think ultimately because I'm a Wu-Tang fan is why I stuck with it. Yeah, But the one thing I think is really worth discussing mm-hmm. is Riz's tour and his time with... Tommy Boy Records and mm. Gary Grice's time with Cold Chillin'. Yeah. And the yeah. reason why I think this is interesting is because one of the things I love that Rizza did on mm. this show was make fun of himself, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. when people talk shit about like his, the grittiness on, on Wu Tang 36 Chambers, mm. we all love that album, right. but it is like really gritty and really raw. Right. They constantly tease that. Yeah. When, you know, when Rizza goes or when Bobby gets on stage, is Bobby Dynamite and starts talking about, <laughs> my sperm fertilized and
2: like
1: risic is clearly making fun of himself yes. because we all know that shit is not on and popping yes. but the thing that, the thing that was so wild uh-huh. was the manager like when he hears that likes it right, right? he's like he's like I never heard nobody say some shit like that but right. then but then I think the thing that's really worth discussing uh-huh. is like I want to know what Tommy Boy saw in Bobby mm. I really want to know because the image that they tried to put out yeah like rizza is nowhere near the most talented lyricist in the clan and right. i'm not knocking him yeah. because i've actually heard him spit bars like like off songs like i've heard him spit freestyles i'm like yo this guy can spit i don't right. know why he doesn't do this more often right but but like i don't know what they saw in him as a lyrical talent or even as a personality and if they saw the mm. personality why didn't they actually let him do that yeah and what i want to know is like if you're the the Tommy Boy execs, mm-hmm. the A&Rs, whoever, who are deciding like, hey, we're gonna pursue this talent. We're gonna drop this talent. Right. And you have Prince Rakeem on your label, who is telling you, hey, mm-hmm. look, I have my own beats. I've got my crew. Yeah. I've got my songs. Yeah. Let me do this. And they're like, nah, it's not gonna sell. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, Wu-Tang Clan comes out mm-hmm. and takes the world by storm, whatever. Mm-hmm. like. Who is the asshole that has to own up to that decision and Tommy yeah. Boy and says, hey,
0: I fucked this one up. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. That's I mean, what I want to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't I can't answer that question, but <laughs> but um, you know, just to piggyback on what you're saying, like, you know, they definitely shit the bed there, but um, it sounds as though Tommy Boy was, you know, being very revolutionary in 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 terms of initially um, you know they had they had De La Soul. We get to see Prince Paul, mm-hmm. him meeting Prince Paul, which yeah, I thought that was, was amazing. Cool. That was cool. Because you yeah. know I, I'm hoping we're, we're going to get some Gravediggers shit later. Uh, we'll see. May or may not happen, but you know. Um, so w- they've got them. They've got. We got to see uh, a fake version of Naughty by Nature. You know, so they, <laughs> so, right? So Tommy Boy kind of with his Alibaba <laughs> knife or whatever, whatever <laughs> yeah. the fuck that shit was. So we got to see, like, you know, they had these groups, and and I think what happens at a lot of these labels, um, and and just in general, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you you get something right, but you you don't necessarily know wh- wh- what what it, it is. Wh- what is that you got right, and yeah. so then you just kind of try to duplicate the formula, right? Right. And yeah. so it seemed like what they thought they had with RZA was Naughty by Nature, in that, mm-hmm. like, the, if you remember, right, it, follow me on this tangent, but if you remember, when Naughty by Nature, you know, first blew, they were a hardcore, you know, rap group, but you had Tretch who took his shirt off, and, and, and the ladies loved it, and mm-hmm. then you had KG, who was a producer that was so diverse and talented that he actually became an R&B producer, you know, mm-hmm. shortly after um, Naughty's peak. So, you know, maybe in that they thought in Riza they had this guy who could kind of be KG and and, you know, Tretch at the same time. Like yeah. we 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 make him rap about the ladies, we can get him to chop up these samples and make these songs and and you know, this is what's going to work for us because it worked for naughty by nature. And so, yeah. you know, it's I thought it was really interesting something that I did not know, which is that the original version of we love you, Prince Rakim. Had the Denise Williams sample. Yeah, and I, didn't that, I didn't know that either. Yeah. I didn't know that. So like, I've heard the "We love you, Prince Rakim," but I've heard the shit that they they did the video for. That shit is trash. Yeah. and I'm it like, trash. and I'm like, why would RZA make something so trash? But now, yeah. like that that was eye opening for me. Just seeing, mm-hmm. you know, him creating something. That's very much in in the spirit of a RZA production. You know, him hearing a sample, chopping it up the way he wanted it, and 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 coming out with a song that fulfilled what they wanted, but was still in RZA's vein. That was very interesting for me. The whole like, oh shit, samples. We can't clear the samples. We got to put you on this this trash beat and and you don't believe in it. And the whole, you know, him trying to sell. Uh, I thought that also was a, hilarious. They, they kept calling him Rakim. And they remember yeah, he, had yeah, yeah. The, he had this shirt and it was like, we love you,
1: Rakim. It's interesting seeing RZA learn about becoming a 5%er, right? Uh-huh. And I've always known that Jizza was always the spiritual head of the right, group. right he was always the one who was most five percenter and then after that they do show uh master killer at the very very end uh-huh. and uh you see him spreading his you know days daily mathematics or, what, or right. whatever but the thing that i thought was interesting is that showing riza become a five percenter you know the name divine as i've always understood it is a five percenter name so the fact mm. that Mid, like his mm. name is Mitchell Diggs. Yeah. His name is not Mitchell Divine. Like Divine <clears throat> is like a nickname. Right. So I've always been curious about, like, well, if if RZA becomes a five percenter mm. at this time in his life, then mm. when did, when did people start calling Mitchell divine? Like I, yeah. uh, little things like that in show, mm. like the show, like the way they played around with the chron- chronology. Like for example, mm. they have it like seventh chamber as their first big hit, despite yeah. the fact that no, it, it's not, it was um, Protect Your neck. Right. And the other, the funny thing about that too, is it like, you can see them spinning around certain lyrics because yeah. like RZA drops his name in that, but they don't, they don't, like Method Man has to like cut out uh <laughs> Oh, that's the other thing too. Yeah. That's the other thing too. I know I'm going on these uh, these crazy tangents, but like uh-huh. I've never <laughs> known Method Man to be referred to as shotgun. Never. That's never been a
0: thing. Like I don't I'm not Sure, people actually called him shotgun growing up. I'd be yeah. really interested to know if that's true. Yeah, I don't. I think they tried to just like not make it too close to home because I never heard the shotgun thing. But with, with the with regards to your first point about the um the five percenter thing, right, right, right. Um, you know, I think based on everything that I've read from around this time, Wu Tang um, Riz's books, you God's book, etc., it seems as though they had you know essentially the five percenter presence heavily in their community. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you were walking to the store, you might they might be out in front trying to, you know, hand you a pamphlet if you were here, if you're there. These folks are in the community and they're organizing. So, I think I think they were surrounded by 5%er culture regardless. Right. And right. so and so, you know, divine can be divine. Without necessarily being fully uh, baptized, you, you know, in the same I way gotcha. that when um, when he takes Prince Rakim, and then dudes like, do you even know what your name means? Yeah, right? no, that's fair. You know, so I, I think that maybe that that might be what it is with divine. That was uh, that was poor righteous teachers, right? Was it?
1: I think so. I know the poor righteous teachers are five percenters. I do yeah, know yeah, that. yeah, they are. Yeah, but um,
0: I didn't know, but uh, but yeah, okay. man, I, I I thought that was cool. And then the, with regards to um, uh, you were talking about meth. And uh, and whether or not they, they call him shotgun, I don't know shotgun because slamming in your chest piece, blah. I be, don't know, man. Yeah, because also like Raquan's nickname was Shalaw. Did everybody call him Shah? Like I, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know.
1: But anyway. Um, it's a good show, ultimately. Yeah. If you're a Wu-Tang fan, I would suggest watching it. If you're a hip-hop fan, I would suggest watching it. But mm-hmm. also, take a lot of it with a grain of salt. Yes. I think they tried to get the spirit of Staten Island mm-hmm. and, and Shaolin and Park Hill versus Stapleton. I, yeah. I think that they, they tried to do all those things right. Uh, the fat LP with cappuccino on the wax. They had Cappadonna in jail. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, not a flawless show. I think, again, ultimately.
0: if you're a hip hop fan or just a fan in general of music, like I think you'll enjoy it maybe more than a Wu-Tang fan is if you're okay. a big Wu-Tang fan. And I mean, I think Outlaw is probably a bigger Wu-Tang fan than I am, but I'm a, also uh, yes, a, a big Wu-Tang fan. But yeah. I had to take my Wu-Tang hat off to enjoy this show. So just know yeah. that, you know, like you said, there's some things that are kind of not going to align or not make sense or you're going to be like, did they make this up? Um, but yeah. it's good to see some of the things portrayed. And I definitely agree with you that the thing I did like the best was them breaking down, you know, Gary Grice, you know, as Words from the Genius, you know, mm-hmm. time frame and and Prince Rakeem. Because those are some yeah. things about, I I didn't get on the Wu-Tang train until, you know, clearly after all of that stuff happened. So those are kind of little blemishes in their their armor that nobody really talks about and so mm-hmm. I, I do really appreciate rizzo for like attacking those pieces of their their story like head on okay the next thing
1: that we should talk about though and we mentioned him at the top of the show when we talked about rhythm and flow ti was one of the judges yeah, yeah, but he recently caused a stir by revealing that he takes his daughter to get her hymen examined every
0: year <laughs> to make sure she's still a virgin Right. Is, is, did I hear that correctly? That he does that? So I haven't even actually heard the 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 specific quote, so I, I won't try to quote it. But I think that's the essentially what what was said.
1: Look, I am at a place in my life right now where I don't want. I'm less judgmental about these types of things than I have been in the past, mm-hmm. and for good reason. Because I I think that I try to be empathetic towards everybody. I try to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, I can understand where T.I. is coming from here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I, man, like I just, <laughs> it's not as, look, I do not have children. I do not have a daughter. So I do not know what that is like. Right. And, you know, coming from the situation where T.I. came from, mm-hmm. wanting to be a responsible parent, wanting to do a responsible thing for his daughter, I guess I can see the logic
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But man, at the same time, too, he has to recognize that this has got to be a traumatic thing for his daughter. I mean, yeah. I would I would think that it's important to teach your daughter about like what a healthy sexual relationship looks like. I yeah. would think. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to judge the man. Hmm. But if, if y'all listeners out there have thoughts of criticism. um, Yeah, I get it because. That's a real head scratcher for me.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I feel like I have some mixed thoughts about it. In that, and you know, I'm sorry to, to be Mr. Cynical now. Um, so first of all, I agree that this is this is completely wrong. But nowadays, well, in the way first of all, I didn't say that. I but uh, yeah, it's not a decision I would make. Is, yeah. is what I can say. But nowadays, in the way people roll out things. It started to almost feel like maybe this is part of his rollout. Like, you know, um, we hear about this, the, you know, the rhythm and flow comes out. Then he says he's going to go on Red Table Talk, um, you know, to talk with uh, Jada and, you know, um, Willow about it. He brings a Tiny on there. You know, they, you know, kind of talk about it and talk about their relationship. I didn't see the Red Table Talk. And it seemed as though, just based on the little clips that I saw, that I actually should watch it. Um, but supposedly he kind of was explaining himself, you know, on, on Red Table Talk. But, you, you know, now it's almost kind of starting to feel like a rollout. And, and I'm, mm. I'm sorry to say that because then you sound like, you know, Mr. Conspiracy Theory. But it's just like mm-hmm. nowadays, you know, people have these like quote unquote gaffes. Um, and then they're able to, you know, nowadays it's like no press is bad press. So you mm-hmm. you capture the, the media cycle and then you're able to extend that that 15 minutes of fame as long as you need it to capitalize, you know, financially to off whatever, you know, the attention is that you need for, for the release that you're releasing. So, right. I mean, you know, I personally don't have much to say about the TI, you know, Hyman check situation. I think it's wrong. Yeah. I, yeah, think it's, I, I, think it, I think it's ridiculous yeah, yeah. that Rod has now come out and said that she agrees and she does the same thing. It's like, wait, what? You know, I would like to
1: think that there is thought process going into it, that they've mm. they really spent the time to think about it. I All I can say is if based on my experience on this earth, mm. yeah, it's just not a decision that I would make. I don't yeah. have a daughter, but it's not something I would want for my daughter. I would try my best one to be understanding that in 2019 there's a very good chance that my daughter is going to have more access to sex than people did hundreds of years ago whatever right right? it's just an assumption Right. but so in knowing that it's like how can i best teach my daughter both of my and my sons as well to have a healthy sexual relationship. Like what does mm. what does sex mean? Yeah. And what does a healthy relationship look like? What does it feel like? Yeah. What are some of the signs that you should try to avoid? These are the things that I'd like to think that if I were a parent, I would focus on. I right. don't
0: know, but whew. And additionally, I would wanna focus on having a relationship with my daughter. And I don't think yeah. that the type of relationship that mandates, you know, your child to be investigated while you stand there and approve of the results is the type of relationship that I would want to have with my daughter if I had one. But again, I don't have one. You know, I just, that's my perspective. You know, regardless of of his reasoning, he has to at least consider the fact that
1: this could traumatize his daughter. Right. If that's what you want, then hey, cool. Yeah. So, all right, well, that's enough on that. Yeah. Um, Did you watch Queen and Slim? I did. Did you? I did as well. And we're not going to talk about it too much, yeah. but I do think it's worth mentioning because it has caused the... Uh, yeah. It's, it sparked a lot of conversation. So let's go ahead and, and add to you, that uh, as best we can.
0: Did, did you see the Mad Skills um, uh, back right. and forth? I saw
1: some of it and got bored with it uh. and tuned out because Mad Skills is not a film critic. True. So he is a person who has had... Uh, glimpses of a rap career I suppose Damn Don't, know, don't do not do him like that bro <laughs> <laughs> No but I'm saying like, like He is not Like he's not like T.I. Or uh, Jay-Z Or someone You know what I mean Like so he's had a rap career If you know where to look Right Essentially Right and es- essentially, what he is like everybody else is—he's a social social media critic. Uh, but these folks don't necessarily understand art as well as they think they do. They have uh, opinions and they express them. Mm-hmm. And because of their modest platforms, it gets attention. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't agree with much of what he had to say. Yeah. And for that matter, most of the social media criticism that I've seen from the mm-hmm. movie, I I disagree with. What I yeah. will say though is it. Anybody who has problems with the plot holes, yeah. um, I totally get it. There's a, yeah. It's riddled with plot holes, yeah. riddled with plot holes. But just real quick, so you guys know, I'm a big fan of the movie. Um, I really enjoyed the movie. It's been a while since a movie has um, uh, impacted me emotionally like this. I think the last movie that did it was Coco affected me emotionally. The one before that was Black Panther. And then the one before that was probably Moonlight. Um, these are f- films that affected me emotionally and I think that despite the fact that there's so many things that were like head scratching moments right so again some spoilers for our folks who, who haven't seen it but like you know the the riot when the protest when the guy, kid shoots the cop it's like really I, I don't mm. see that happening or even the, the stop itself was kind of like there were so many like little problems with it but i think the reason why none of these things bothered me and i was was talking with someone about this is because they don't really take away from the essence of what i took from the film they don't really take away from the story these are things that kind of like script deficiencies not so much story deficiencies and so i think from an emotional standpoint it really affected me in a positive way um obviously uh, i was heartbroken by the movie but i think that these are the things that these are the responses that art is supposed to invoke from us and so from that point of view uh, I really enjoyed it so you know people who want to criticize the movie from all of the little like the fact that like all the different ways that the movie breaks from reality I get but from an emotional point of view it had everything that I would want from the movie.
0: My thoughts are I was also um, impacted by the movie I think that the main thing I want to highlight about it was I just thought the way their blackness was captured on camera was beautiful just the way the way they were filmed the lighting the their tone their skin tones Mm -hmm. uh their intimate moments i I just thought it was beautiful like just to see them on screen that way and um and i felt as though like it was a great example of representation matters because Mm -hmm. you know and and no disrespect to any white filmmakers or any non-black filmmakers but i don't think that non-black people would be able to or would capture them in that way like i just Mm -hmm. you know just the way they the way they filmed and captured blackness was was beautiful to me um and i also really liked just some of the like The shots and camera angles um, Mm -hmm. that they used on on their ride. Um, And I thought that it was really, you know, I thought that they did a good job of capturing the idea of like, you know, the the guarded and overqualified black woman and, you know, Mm -hmm. how she doesn't, she has no emotional need for the (laughs) male character. That got flack, by the way, but I I agree with you. Yeah, I thought that it was it was dope, and I thought that you know, I, th- I thought it was really dope when they kind of talked about like what it is that they want, you know. And mm-hmm. she was I, I, she, I think he was the one who said something about like what he wanted was like a person who was just gonna like ride for him, you know, regardless. Yeah. And, and then like, like so yeah. and then she talked about how she just felt like a, like she wanted somebody to peel back all the layers of this defense that she's put up. And I'm sorry, I'm yeah. paraphrasing. But, no, you know, no, no, to to what, you know, what she the essence of who she really is, beautiful or ugly and accept it and love it for for what it is. Right. Yeah. And I felt like the illest thing about the way the movie ended is it's almost like he gave her what he wanted and she mm-hmm. gave him what she wanted. Like. Right. And I just thought it was like just a beautiful way to talk about people loving in the way that they want to be loved um and you know i mean i just i think i think it was i I heard a lot of negative negative things and i i agree with you that there was definitely you know plot holes and things like that but i mean i really am happy that this film was made and i'm really happy that i saw it i agree with you that i really really did not like the scene of of the kid shooting the cop in the face it just didn't it just it didn't feel right i didn't didn't i didn't need to see that i i and i it didn't. It, it didn't feel like it, it. It was realistic. Like like it didn't even make sense that it happened that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, there were some little things like that where you could knit. But I, I really was happy that I saw the film.
1: Yeah, I think. I was actually initially apprehensive Mm. when I saw the trailer initially. I was like, "Okay, this is going to be one of those films. Right. Mm. And then the more I saw of it, I was like, all right, this is going to be political. It's going to be too on the nose. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, I am not progressive. I don't need my movies to be over the top and progressive. Like, I don't care about the political ideas. I care about the art. Mm. I care about the storytelling. So as I'm watching this movie, not having a good opinion of it going into it, mm-hmm. I started to realize, I was like, oh, this is, this is just a love story. Yeah. And it's an amazing love story yeah. for me. Because yeah. for me, I thought this encapsulates black love. And I actually yes. don't like using that word, black yeah. love, because the, the times that I hear that term black love, is wrapped in a lot of other ideas that I'm just like, look, you guys go in that direction. I'm going to be over <laughs> here in my own lane, right? right? But the things that I think that this movie did really, really well is capturing black love in the sense like all the things that like work against it and all the things that can work for it, mm-hmm. right? So for example, you know, our community is really fragmented right mm-hmm. now. And the fact that you have a woman in this role, like that's, I think, representative of a lot of a lot of our, of our sisters, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it's interesting, you know, that some of them, I, I heard some critiques that like, oh, they didn't like seeing her portrayed as a, as a bitch, this, that, the other. And I'm not saying that I thought she was a bitch. I don't think she was. I didn't think she was either, but yeah. I can understand why folks are sensitive about it. At the same time too, yeah. I just feel like folks just don't want to,
0: I, whatever, I'm not Man, even going to delve I, on I, that point. I, 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 I'll dive into it. I think that the reason why I think it was well portrayed was, so you have two people that go on a date basically off Tinder. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, early in the movie, you realize and and she's she's actually very clear about what she wanted and what she was trying to get out of it. Essentially, she's like, look, like I'm, you know, I'm a young professional. Um, I have these, you know, these feelings. And, you know, at the end of the day, like. I don't really care that much what you want. This is what I'm trying to get out of this date, right? Like, yeah. like I, I felt a way, I didn't want to be alone. I went on the fucking app just to get somebody to, to spend some time with me because that's what I needed. This is about mm-hmm. my emotional needs and it's not about yours, right? right? And I think that captures what dating is for a lot of people, black, white, mm-hmm. or indifferent in 2019. Yeah. That's how people date. So like yeah. she went into this situation completely thinking about herself. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought that it was it, it, they did it kind of a good job here of um, him being like a little more laid back and not necessarily they didn't really double click or give us a whole lot about him as a professional. We knew right. that she was a strong, educated black woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 I thought that that was interesting because a lot of black women kind of talk about that as as a challenge in, in mm-hmm. 2019. It's like Finding you know partners that they they can connect with on an emotional and spiritual level, and then, but additionally those individuals like them feeling like they have to kind of sacrifice or you know r- reduce their standards a little bit when it comes to the standard for themselves in terms of how well educated and how professional they are versus their mates. And so I right. thought it was interesting how they kind of tamped down his qualifications and, and, and you know, and it, they didn't make that the center of the story. The center of the story was built around like her, who she was, what her needs were. And I, I didn't think that was a bad thing.
1: No, I, I don't. I think it was clever yeah. in the sense that, well, I think it was smart in the sense that I think that they they, like I said, they took a lot of things that are essentially working against the black family right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And to see these two folks struggle to go through that in the backdrop of this Bonnie and Clyde situation right. to me is what makes the movie so brilliant. Yes. So for me, I think that this is like a parallel of the black family, the history of the black family in the United States, huh. in the sense that if you're someone like me who believes that black families were specifically targeted to weaken the community, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, you if you watch uh, Ava du- DuVernay's uh, 13th and mm-hmm. just that whole concept of them specifically targeting black men, put them in jail to tear the family apart so that the community will not grow strong together. Right. When you think it, I felt that. And so for me, like everything in this movie, seeing them go through like different places where you would see black love. Right. Yeah. For example, like in new Orleans with the, with the pimp situation or, and mm. or in, in when they go to the blues house and just right. different things like that. Um, I, I thought it was really, I thought, I really, it really connected with me. Um, yeah. Like I said, I was very emotional watching this movie. I was heartbroken at the end. Mm-hmm. I definitely cried, no doubt about that. Um, and I was getting emotional, like even just like writing about the movie with, with friends, like when mm. I when I was, you know, communicating and sharing texts and whatnot. Mm. Um, and and I, I think that, the, you know, the idea that a black man sold them out, but then at the same time yes. too, that they, you know, they become like this icon. Right. And I think that that's something that can extend to realize, so Like, for, yeah. for example, you know, an Uncle Tom that came from a yeah, story yeah. or the sunken place that comes from Get Out. Yeah. Maybe this couple can be like an icon for like, look, despite everything yeah. going against them, these two mm-hmm. found love. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they say, look, I don't care what happens. Right. Like, I found you. And that to me is like really, really powerful. Agreed. And that's what I took from it. And that's why, like, it just it hit me, like, so much, like, just that emotion. Yeah. Like, and I knew that they were going to die. Like, I, I knew that. But right, it was like, right. and some people took issue with the fact that black people got done, gunned down. And I, and I get that.
2: Yeah. But
1: there were so many just, like, positive, just, like, beautiful moments. Yeah. And, and I, I genuinely believed the love that they formed for each other. Like it yeah. felt organic to me, despite all the other plot holes mm-hmm. and like the, the story itself, like doesn't make much sense, but mm-hmm. like their love story yeah. made sense to me, which is why I, I I love this movie so much. So,
0: And I think from just from an existential perspective, right? Like everybody kind of trying to come to grips with what the meaning of life is. I think like right. you said, right? Like, their, their resolution in the end is, is their love is the meaning of their life. And so, mm-hmm. you know, now they get to this point where it's like, I found this and I'm completely comfortable in this moment and fuck it, right? Yeah. But um, the boy who shoots the cop in the face, <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought that, that the scene where they're spending time with him and he says, um, you know, like y'all don't need anything any el- more, or even if you die like today, you're going to be remembered forever. I want to be remembered yeah. forever. That shit was yeah. crazy. Cause it's just like yeah. to everybody has a different, a different meaning quote unquote understanding of what the meaning of life is. And for him yeah. and you know, I mean you, you just put that in the context of where we are in 2019 with social media and mm-hmm. you know, everybody, everybody wants to put a, a, an IG story of everything that they do, their food, their concerts, their everything, right? Like, I feel like some of that is a grasp of people being like, I want people to remember me. I want people Mm -hmm. to know me. I want, you know, I want people to, I want my legacy to be remembered. And so it's just like interesting how, even though I really don't like his ending, how, you know, his understanding of what it means to what the meaning of life is, was interesting to me as well um, on screen
1: it's uh it's definitely a good movie if you guys haven't seen it and somehow listen to this without being spoiled whatever (laughs) i definitely recommend going to see it please um yeah so the next thing we're going to talk about briefly is uh gangstar came out with an album this is released november 1st
0: um one of the best yet we're just going to talk about this briefly but this is probably a pivotal moment i think yeah um you know i i mean they had these they had these recordings for like what 15-ish years um, mm. I think the situation was bittersweet, right? Um, right? Essentially, they ended up having to have a legal team contact Solar, um, the dude who was, I guess, quote-unquote, Guru's manager or whatever uh, at the time of his passing, um, to get these recordings. But um, yeah, so Premier got these recordings and essentially was able to create an album. Um, and the album did not sound dated at all, in my opinion. No. Um, and it featured some of the the current, you know, artists uh, of the time frame, J. Cole specifically. Um, I, I really actually really enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to enjoy. So. so the first time I listened to
1: it, uh, I really enjoyed the track with M.O.P. I was surprised yeah, I like because I don't like M.O.P., but yeah. that beat is like amazing. So I'm like, oh, OK, this is dope. And then as the album went on, I was like, it's a gang star album, which yeah. which mm-hmm. is both good and bad. Right. It's bad um, in the sense that, like, I am a person who wants my artists as they continue to grow to mm-hmm. give us new sounds and go mm-hmm. in new directions. Mm-hmm. I always want to see what you know new perspectives on music an artist can have but right. at the same time too this is a Gangstar album. It yeah. feels like a Gangstar album. It doesn't feel like Biggie's Born Again or some Tupac's posthumous album. Like, no, this is a an actual quality piece of music. And yeah. the second time I listened to it, I enjoyed it way more. Mm. So, in fact, this was going to be the album that I was going to discuss, um, but I, I didn't like it as much as, as I wanted to. Okay. But that being said, it definitely is a is a good album. Yeah. Uh, Guru sounds great on it. Premier it sounds great. great. It. The, features, the features sound great and it's a cohesive Project, yeah,
0: um, so so nicely done to premiere and whoever else uh, helped put this together, definitely. And I mean, you really got to give it to premiere because I mean, you know, this is somebody who was very close to him and they, mm-hmm. you know, kind of fallen out when he passed, so you know, he had to work through his feelings. Um, yep. he had to take something that already existed with whatever air of you know, controversy was around it, surrounding it, and go in and create something around that when I'm sure he much would have much rather been sitting next to his friend creating this Mm -hmm. like they had created their previous project. So, you know, just just kudos and props to him for like sitting with this and finishing this and doing everything Mm -hmm. that he needed to do. And I also really thought it was beautiful how he incorporated Guru's family Ah, uh, like in the music yeah. videos and in the release, yeah. and you know, making sure that they are getting paid for you know the music that ca- came out of it. So, you know, just super props to Gangstar. I, I really was happy that this happened.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good project for sure. Yeah. Um. So now we're gonna get into our actual album reviews, if you will. And so what it is is Yinka picked an album that he just wanted to sit with and discuss, and I picked an album that I wanted to sit with and discuss.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You want to go first? Should I go first? Go
0: first because I, I I like your pick.
1: All right. I mean, you know I like this. So so the person that I chose uh, was Nicole Buss, her album Kairos, which was released October
0: 18th. And man, I picked a winner. This album is fucking incredible. What made you pick this? Because I remember talking about her uh, maybe at our year end a couple years ago or something so like how did you get on to her and what made you pick your so decision? I, I like,
1: first heard about Nicole Bus in the springtime when you came out and I want to say yes. I was at um, the main ingredient Marvin on Monday night mm. and ja Sonic dropped this joint I and this I was game. like what the fuck is this <laughs> Cash you know what I mean like,
0: everything around yeah
1: me. with some R&B modernized riff I was like what yep. is this so I was like alright so this song immediately went into the playlist mm-hmm. and then I'm I'm looking for albums that I want to do, and I'm not seeing anything really come up on, on the hip hop list that, that intrigues me. And then I see something that's like, oh yeah, Nicole Buss dropped her album. So I was like, mm. oh, okay. And I heard, I think it was um, there was another song I, Big heard. Shot? I think it was Mr. like. Big with Shot? You. No, it wasn't Mr. Big Shot. Okay. It was some other song. It was like with you. It was the one that okay. samples Tom Tom's Diner from the from the 90s. So I'm like, all right, okay. if that's the vibe she's going for, I gotta check this out. And so I I popped this in and right off the top, Mr. Big Shot. This good is crazy. fucking Lord. Yeah. This album is so damn good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the kind of music that I want to listen to, mm. you know, and, and I understand that I'm, I'm, in some ways, I'm glad that I was listening to as much music as I would because I did get to listen to some things that I didn't think I would like. For example, mm. you know Static Selected. Mm. Had If not for these recaps, I would not have listened to Static Selected and I enjoyed mm. those albums. But this is the kind of music that I want to hear. I mean, it's, mm. it's got so so many tributes to 90s era hip hop. Yes, yes. And the, the you know the production on this who is, it? is it? Needles, I think, who does yes. the production? The crazy thing about this is it. A lot of folks don't even know who she is. So I was talking to two of my homegirls, Allison and Hans, and Mm -hmm. I'm calling them out here. Uh -uh. But like these women, like they're in tune with music. Like they know stuff. They put me on all the time. So I just assumed that they knew who she was. And I'm like, yeah, Nicole Buster, like, who is that? I'm like, you're serious. How do I know who this person is? And then her album doesn't even have a wikipedia page right you know half of her music isn't even available on spotify yeah but this album is fucking incredible but there's so many different things that it
0: does well and and you know this is one of my issues with where, where we are in the state of the music industry um and the grammy committee and all these award shows right um they choose their winners and losers in advance of the game right yeah and so i mean you look at nicole buss who was signed to rock nation you know like you know, you're you're signed to the biggest artist in music. Um, and and you and you don't even get a look to where like individuals who you know, the two people who you mentioned, this type of music is right up their alley. Like yeah. so yeah. They, so so if I'm trying to sell an album, those would be the people I would be trying to find to put an album like this in front of. Right. So the fact that like this doesn't get the type of apparatus that it should get when when all the pieces are in place, you got the major label, you got the, um, you know, the producer who has been in the industry for a long time, etc. I, I, I really don't like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, but yeah, I mean, just to piggyback on what you're saying, I love Nicole Bus. Um, I, you know, kind of been touting her for a couple of years now. Um, so, when did Mr- you first hear about her? Man, what was? There was another record that she sampled. Um, Uh, a hip-hop classic and it wasn't it wasn't you it was another one and um and i heard it and then i saw that needles produced it and um and i'm I'm, i've been a huge needles fan for folks that don't know needles 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 probably popped in the mid 2000s early to mid 2000s um just to give y'all some ideas i think he did uh piggy bank by uh by 50 cent um he did a record on games the documentary he was, you know, I mean, he, he really had a look under under Interscope in the mid, you know, like 2004, 2005 time frame. Needles was killing. Um, moved mm-hmm. to Atlanta. He has a family now. He's been a little bit more low key. Um, but the beautiful thing about Nicole Buss's music, the, the first thing that intrigued me about her is that she's from Holland. Yeah. Um. And so, you know. I always I always have these like weird conversations about like folks that come from another country, but they sing and they sound exactly like Americans do. Um, My theory on that is the fact that or not the fact, but my theory on that is that if you listen to R&B music, you know, 90 percent of the big records that we all know and love, you grew up listening to Americans sing. And mm-hmm. so you probably imitated and sang those in front of the mirror with your hairbrush since you were a little kid. And so as a result of that, you've developed the cadence that you need in order to sing in, in a way that you have like an American accent and affect. Right. Um, but, you know, so that was the first thing that really intrigued me about it. The second thing was that Needles was involved. Um, and I've always been a fan of Needles. But um, this is like that, that puffy R&B blueprint in a 2019 way right like like when puffy did mary j blige and and jodeci he took these hip-hop break beats that were going on on all of these hip-hop records and he said yo i'm a hip-hop up an r b sound and then people are gonna fuck with it right and like that's what i love about this record is that like it doesn't sound dated but Mm -mm. it takes these break beats that we're very familiar with as as hip-hop heads from this era and then you know flips them you know puts a lot of melody and a lot of chords and etc on top of them and does them in unique ways and then nicole bus you know just just murders i mean i I love her voice and i love what they did with this project yo so a few songs that i have to highlight right Uh Right? and you're
1: talking about taking hip-hop break beats and and flipping it Mm -hmm. so obviously you know we talk about mr big shot um, yeah. That's a good one. You is obviously that's the one that drew me to this album because it's Wu Tang. So, yeah, but it's just, but either way, like what she does with this song is is crazy. But right. The one that really stood out to me uh-huh. um, when I heard it, like I fucking lost my shit. Mm-hmm. So you've got this song called Rain. It's track eight, okay. and it takes the sample yeah. that Busta Rhymes uses on Rise on E.L. This the Al Green. Is album. Yeah, uh, well, sort of. the 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 keys are something else. So the yeah. piano yeah. is uh, is is something from another song, uh-huh. but uh, Busta Rhymes does that for Rise, uh-huh. and uh, that's a really good hip hop sample. So those are the keys. But then, like when the when the when the drums hit, it's the Al Green drums yeah. from uh, I, I'm So Glad You're Mine, right. which is a, a song that Rakim sampled. exactly. And oh my god, when those drums come in, I mean, I literally lost my fucking shit. <laughs> I cranked it all the way up. I was like, what is this? I've listened to this album. I think it at least twenty times. Like that's mm. how much I've been sitting with this. And mm. it took me like on the tenth listen to actually listen to what she was saying because I was fucking with the music so much. Yeah. This song is fucking incredible. My yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So I, I had to highlight that.
0: Even like the little subtle uh, samples, like like that song Unchanging with the with the Kanye yeah. West. uh They just. It's almost like they just like did a filter. So they just took like it sounds almost just sounds like a pad. Mm -hmm. the melody in the background and then they just built on top of that like i really like the way this was produced yeah
1: yeah i mean and then right after unchanging a song like comfort me where she does her little reggae Reggae, inspired vibe um i like it when
0: europeans do it i feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of them do a really good job with it and she does a good job of it here i Um, agree i think with that record so I think, you know, I heard Mr. Big Shot, I heard you. Those are really dope records. And, yeah. you know, but we talk about the difference between like a, like a great studio singer or studio artist and a great live artist. Mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't necessarily want to hear Nicole Bus live. Until I heard Comfort Me, which is interesting yeah. because, you know, I, I, like some of the reviews have said, like, oh, Comfort Me is kind of, eh, it's okay. But, yo, like, that this was the record crazy. that made me be like, yo, I could see this chick, like, fronting a band and killing it. Yes. You know, like, I would love She's, to see her live.
1: She'll be performing here in March. I'm going to that show. Nice. Period. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think SOS, that's the Nas sample. Mm-hmm. I want to say that that just hit the radio because I was talking with someone the other oh, day. Yeah? And I was talking about this project. And they're like, "Oh yeah, that song SOS is on the radio. I like that one. It's the one that samples mm-hmm. Nas. It wow. ain't hard to tell." Um, yeah. Look up to the sky. The, the the joint that ends the album is mm-hmm. is a track that I really like. It's got that. I don't I don't want to call it a gospel because it's not. But it's just like that old like old school soul. Um, it's just a really cool chill record. Yeah, I think that you know that i really like this album because the low lights become highlights for me (laughs) so the only song that i wasn't really feeling is Mm -hmm. track number 11 called um stand next to me Uh it's just it's not really my vibe it's not the kind of song that i like but then i started listening to it in a new light and i said you know If you has one of these like white singers on it like Mm -hmm. adam levine or whoever Mm -hmm. sing this track or like ed sheeran or something like that this would be one of these soft poppy records that would get tons of radio spins Mm -hmm. and since i've had had like this kind of mentality about this song now i love it and whenever i listen (laughs) to like i I crank it up this whole album is fucking incredible I, i i can't you know we the show's been kind of episodes have been going on a lo- little bit longer than we anticipated mm-hmm. so i'm not going to go into every single song the way mm-hmm. i would want to mm-hmm. but folks please check out this album the cold bus is called kairos I don't think that there's a bad song on here. I think yeah. it's, you know, I'm very, very excited about this project. And yeah. these are the kinds of projects that I want to listen to going forward.
0: Yeah. Um, these are the types of projects that get me excited about music. I'm also, you know, I, I want to add that I'm I'm very excited about, you know, Needles. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, just like, like a, a producer who's, you know, 10 years deep in the game, who's, you know, kind of taking a back seat to family life. And, you know, really just he kind of settled down in Atlanta. He makes a lot of his beats or at least the early parts of his beats like at his house, Mm -hmm. um, you know, before he takes them into the bigger studio. And just the, the power of creating something that's this good. And, you know, I really hope it wins and gets all the accolades and things like that that it deserves because I think it's really dope.
1: Well, it will certainly get accolades when we do our Baby Awards for oh, sure. I've go. already got it lined up for 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 two or three. <laughs> so, the next album we're going to discuss, the one that Yinka chose, is WWCD from from Griselda. This was released November 29th. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, get into it. So,
0: speaking of accolades, you know, um, I chose this album for reasons that are not the same reasons that. Outlaw shows his album um okay so i'm gonna start this by saying that th- this is not an album of the year candidate for me i i don't mm-hmm. think this album is amazing or incredible personally mm-hmm. um the reason i wanted to highlight this album is because these guys you know are really kind of starting to get the attention that you know i think a lot of their work their early work merited um mm-hmm. and i and i think that you know a podcast like our podcast Really should highlight what these guys are doing, just because mm-hmm. um, it's it's something that's that's steeped in a lot of what what the the values and aesthetic that we you know espouse to like. Um, and I was I was watching um, I was watching the Drink Champs yesterday, and Irv Gotti was on the Drink Champs, and he was talking he was talking to Noriega and and all the et ceteras, and he was saying, you know, how come you don't bring like young people on your show? And, right. and Nori kept saying yo that's not like that's not the formula the formula is we, we we have these you know OGs these legends we bring them on we give them a platform nobody's giving them a platform we give them a platform and he said you know he said well you know how, how come you don't have the little Nas X nigga how come you don't bring him on you know so it was kind of this funny exchange where they're going back and forth and he said look he said you know cause dude said well why they, they can go on Breakfast Club they can go on all these other places like and you know Irv Gotti said, "You know, Nori, I feel as though your place is a one-stop shop for the culture. You are doing this for the culture, so you can't mm-hmm. alienate or isolate a whole era of the culture. To say that you're only going to focus on one era of the culture, if you really want to be about the culture. And I so, agree. so I take all of that, you know, all the way back to what would Sheen Gun do? In that, um, the, these guys are espousing the values of the, you know, they're the the." Raekwon only built for Cuban links of 2019. Um, And I think a lot of the criticisms or the things that people say from our era is they say, well, you know, I don't really like like a lot of mainstream, you know, rap because like, you know, they can't really make the type of gritty stuff that I like. Like, you know, they Mm -hmm. do these chopped up samples and, you know, they're doing this kind of freestyle style. These cats get the deal with Eminem. They have the biggest platform in the entire world and the ability to work with anybody that they want to work with, um, and yet they choose to create an album with no samples that sounds just like the same shit they've been making um, Wait, over the last. Wait, there's no samples on this. There are no samples on this album. Oh, and that in okay. and of itself. Is incredible when you really listen to the music. I, I'll, okay, yeah. I'm
1: gonna go back and listen to this a
0: second time okay. with that in mind. so because that is quite incredible. Yeah, right. So what they did was, Derringer is the dude who normally makes their beats, and and if you have time, um, there's actually they made like a little mini series on YouTube. It's like a documentary chopped into like you know five minute or eight minute shorts of them talking about how they put this album together. I only got to see two of them, but um, essentially what they did was Derringer is the name of the guy who produces their their beats, but Derringer doesn't play any instruments, right? He chops records. That's what he does. Okay. So so they reach out to Beat Butcher, who I'm a I'm a a big fan of Beat Butcher. I think Beat Butcher's from like London or something. It's this British okay. guy. But he's a guy who can essentially replay samples and you know and create source material. So they basically paired Derringer with Beat Butcher to create these things that they would then chop and make them sound oh, okay. like this, samples, et
1: cetera. There are several artists who've done things. Yeah, like that.
0: similar to what um what um uh what's the dude's name adrian um, young adrian young and and uh primo did for the for the race of five yeah. nine records right right, um, right. but you know so i say all that to say like you know i mean their intro has raekwon on it they got yeah. 50 cent on it like this is still the same drug dealer crack rap that they've been making for better or for worse um, but, you know, they they were consistent and, and stuck to their formula. And I really appreciate them for that. This is not my favorite Griselda record. Um, I think that there's at least two, there's probably two projects that came out this year that are better than this. But, um, you know, I just wanted to highlight them because I think they're stellar rappers. And, you know, we talked on, what was the, uh, what was it? The, the, the Cameron episode where mm-hmm. I talked about Dipset and you were talking about how, like, they kind of, you know Cameron wasn't really showing much artistic growth he kind of was just giving you the same thing and and I said that there's kind of something to be said for an artist that is very consistent and consistently gives you something to where when you're a fan and you want that thing you know that you can always go to them and you can get that and I feel like that's what they did here like they've created a brand and they've stuck to the brand and I I appreciate their consistency so I don't know what are your thoughts I wish I had
1: more in-depth thoughts about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't. I did listen to it, Mm -hmm. but it just kind of reminded me of the other Griselda projects that I I heard. Yeah. And I can respect this and I can appreciate it, but at the same time, too, this is not music that I do well to just sit down and listen to. Right. I give it the the once pass through and then I go on to something else. Although, you having said that... Describing the production the way that you did. Now I'm intrigued to actually go back and listen to this a second time. Yeah. But I think for me, something that always stands out, uh, I forget, one of my friends said this, mm-hmm. said that when you talk about drug rap, mm-hmm. oh, in fact, it was Imhotep who said it on this podcast. Okay. I think it, when he was, I forget which, I guess it was the, the 444 uh, Blueprint episode.
0: Or not Blueprint, uh, 444. The 444. Right. Yeah. He said, at least I think he said, uh, if
1: he didn't say it then, he said it elsewhere, but he said that if you're going to talk about drug rap, Mm -hmm. you need to be stellar. You need to break ground. You need to be amazing. And there's certain rappers who've done that. You know, Biggie did it well. Uh, Raekwon and Ghostface did it well. Um, Obviously, Jay-Z has done it well. Like, there's several rappers who've done it really, really well. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if these guys have have done it well. And the Same thing goes for Freddie Gibbs. Mm -hmm. I know that you have a higher opinion of him than I do. I, I don't dislike him. I'm just not overly impressed um, I think mm. that I would need to hear more skills for them as as rappers, more wordplay, just more creative flow. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're kind of very down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, they approach every single song, every single beat the same way, mm. and that's fine. And I appreciate that they have their lane for that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, too, the artists that really, really stick with me are mm-hmm. giving me a little something different every single time. Like they mm. they 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 get a new perspective, and then boom, like they next time they hit the studio, it's like, yo, I got this new shit. Yeah, I'm not sure if I really heard that from them and maybe we don't mm-hmm. need it um i do appreciate what you're saying and respect the fact that you know for them to have this lane for themselves and to be on message or on brand and mm-hmm. stick to that and stick to their guns despite the fact that they have resources to maybe branch out it is commendable but at the same time too um it just doesn't really
0: stick with me all that
1: well yeah
0: that's fair now i, yeah. I you know i kind of agree with you um i, I think you know Tana talk uh, three is uh the name of a project by Benny who's one of the guys here and um I think it's it's much more poignant and to the point than this is um I think okay. you know there's better better bars on there i, I you know it just it feels more focused but you know i I again just really commend these guys for for kind of carrying the torch when it comes to this you know because I think um and, and this is gonna sound like a diss, and it, it entirely is not. Um, Pusha T is an example of an artist who, you know, has kind of um, you know, he he's just does the crack rap thing over and over again. You know, coke rap, coke yeah. rap, coke rap. Um, I thought his album from last year was a was a really good album.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I thought that he really it really was kind of a throwback to what we love about Pusha T. But a lot of times I hear Pusha T And it's very experimental. You know, if if, if Pusha T has an opportunity to get in the studio with, I don't know, I'm just going to say Drake because Drake's the biggest artist, even though those aren't two people who would get together. But, you know, or Beyonce. (laughs) That's a a weird, that's a weird. Beyonce (laughs) or or Young Thug or whoever the fuck, right? He's going to do it. Right. Because mm-hmm. from a completely, you know, commercial perspective, he just wants to be the biggest artist he can possibly be. Right. Yeah. And, and there's something to be said for that, which is which is positive positivity. Like, right. You know, good job. You know, your career is on the line. You're trying to find ways to promote yourself and, and advance your career. But there's also something to be said for, to, for people who like really just stick to their guns and are like, you know what? This Beyonce feature wouldn't really make sense. You know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I just kind of respect that from a musical perspective, you know, yeah, when individuals are willing to 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 do that. So. Okay. All
1: right. Well, I don't have any uh, any additional thoughts on this album, do you? Nope. All right. So I think that's going to wrap it up for our fall recap. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stay tuned. We'll be coming out with our baby awards uh, next year. And then we also have Supreme Clientel. We're going to be doing that in February. Yeah. And we might try to get... Panama on to do a salute me or shoot me. Yeah. He's taken some some issues. Well, I don't want issues, <laughs> but he wants to challenge my idea that College Dropout is not a good album.
0: So we yeah. might have to do something along those lines. I mean, that's positive cuz you know, you needed to be challenged.
1: <laughs> um so yeah, so so stay tuned and you know big up the podcast when you can. Drop us a rating on iTunes, uh the 80s babies, T-H-E-80Z B A B I E S at Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, iTunes, all that good stuff. Uh spread the word. Peace.
2: Peace.